You see, the devil needs permission to trip you up. He needs permission to trip you up. He can tempt, but we have to respond. He can offend, but we have to accept the offense. He can lie, but we have to believe the lie. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. The title of today's message is going to be Exposing the Enemy Who is at War in the Church. You know, something that Satan has no problem with is coming to church. Did you know the devil comes to church more than any single person in this room? Now, understand, I go to church a lot. Uh, You know, my wife and I have been in church. Every day for almost the last several weeks, just doing stuff. We come to church a lot, but the devil comes to church more than we do. Matter of fact, if God was to roll back the scroll of of heaven, and as I shared last week, and we saw what was happening in this room, we would see a war going on. Pastor, what is the war about? Your soul. That's what it's about. The devil is saying, Glenn, I want you. I want to sift you as wheat. And Jesus, as we learned last week, does not stop the battle. One man said poetically so many years ago, sometimes God calms the storm. But more times than not, God calms the child and lets the storm rage. Why? Because that's how we grow stronger. That's how we develop character and and maturity. And that's how we find out, and I want you to hear this real, real seriously today, that's how we find out who we're standing for. How many love oranges, citrus of some? You go to the store, And you buy this beautiful orange orange. And how many ever took it home to have it the most terrible orange you've ever had inside? Well, true citrus growers and stuff like that, I mean, they'll miss some once in a while. But they, they know how to check. And one of the ways they find out how this fruit becomes gorgeous and wonderful is they actually put it under some pressure. 
They put the squeeze on it. You know how to find out what's really inside of you? Put a little squeeze on you. Put a little pressure on you. A lot of us would like to say, well, Pastor, I've had that happen a lot, and it's never affected me. We do invite liars to the altar at any time. Because I would like to say that, thing, that same thing myself. But even your preacher cracks under pressure at times. Hopefully I crack under pressure a whole lot less than most. But I just happen to be one of those pastors that want to be fully honest and fully transparent. Even to, even to my negatives sometimes. I've said things in church that some of you still shake your head over. In your notes, well, we'll get to the notes in just a second. I want to share some things. Though we fight, as we learned last week, the battle from the victory, we are still in a battle. And we learned a little last week that one of greatest, the greatest tools that Satan has is the tool of deception. If he can get us to think that we're not in a war, we're not in a battle, he can actually lull us into a sense of not fighting. But listen to the scripture we shared some of these last week, 1 John 5. Every child of God defeats the enemy, the evil world. How? By trusting in Christ. Those who win this battle. Now, a lot of people say, well, the Old, the Old Testament is battle scriptures. Well, I think this is the New Testament. Those who win this battle against the world are the ones who believe Jesus is the Son of God. And then we go to that scripture that I just alluded to with, Gre- with Glenn a moment ago. Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And we learned last week that sifting is not just taking a little colander, or taking a little, a little uh, uh, strainer of some kind. No, it literally means to pummel. It means to thresh and thrash. The picture, if you've ever seen in the, in the Middle East, the different thing, when they're threshing the wheat, they're actually taking clubs and beating. How many have ever seen that stuff? This is what Jesus is saying. Satan has desired to beat the living daylights out of you. Oh, let me put it in different words. To put that pressure on you to see what's inside. And look what Jesus said. He said, Simon, I prayed for you. He didn't say I stopped it. He said, Simon, I prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. How many think that's a little short? Lord, you can stop this, dude. Why don't you? How many have ever asked God that? So we got five honest people. I've asked him a thousand times. Why don't you just stop the dude? Oh, devil. Dude is short for devil today. Why don't you just? Because God said, I'm growing you. I'm growing you. And God uses the bad. You see, you'll never know what is on the inside until you put a little pressure on the outside. This is what was happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul had all kinds of pressure coming 
from those that were calling themselves apostles and those that were calling themselves men and women of God. He had all kinds of pressure. And you know what Paul said? He said, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to keep doing what I have been doing. One of the things about your pastor and and one of the things that has really uh, always been a, a great blessing in my life is when people have came up to me and they said, Pastor, you know, no matter what you go through, you just kind of stay, stay consistent. You just kind of, you know, the bumps in the road, you, kind of, you must have good shocks. The dips and the falls and the grinds, you, you kind of come out okay. This is what Paul's saying. He said, no matter what happens, I'm going to do what I have always done. And he said, because of this, those that are doing things only superficially, only because they're trying to get at me, to boast that their work is just like the work I'm doing, they're false apostles. They're deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ or workers of Christ or put the word Christian in there. And he said, I'm not surprised because Satan himself disguises himself like the angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And in the end, their punishment will come for the wicked deeds that they've done. But so many in the church are blind to these things. They're blind to the fact that the things in this world are going to happen, and majority of the time they're going to happen to disrupt you and me. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We took a trip back about 50 years to the old Rod Sterling shows of the Twilight Zone. How many remember those shows? Okay, now let me get real honest with you. How many remember the originals and not the reruns? Oh, we got a lot of people a lot older than me here. Yeah. Actually, I remember the originals too. How did Rod Sterling open the show? Does anybody remember? You were about to. Yeah. He had that really cool voice, you know, just put it right out there. And we reminisced in a, one of the storylines of how there was an American that got lost in Europe and found himself at this medieval castle. And it was a hermitage of monks and how they, they reluctantly let this American in. And the American was walking through the castle and found this person locked in this prison cell with only a wooden staff locking the door. And the person inside befriended the American and convinced him that the, that the head monk, Brother Jerome, was nuts. And so the American went to Brother Jerome and asked him, what is the deal with this guy? And Brother Jerome opened his eyes to help him see the man in that cell is none other than Satan himself. And it is a staff of truth, the truth that keeps him imprisoned. Well, the American was immediately convinced that Brother Jerome was nuts, went and released the person in the which when he did so, immediately the person transformed into this hideous creature and vanished. The young American was horrified and apologized to Brother Jerome profusely. And he said, I'm so sorry for you, my son, because you will always remember this night because it was this night that Lucifer was loosed upon 
the world. And this is what I use this story for to help us understand is because the young American told Brother Jerome, he said, I I, I saw him, but I didn't recognize him. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Why is it any great thing that his ministers are not transformed into ministers of righteousness? You say, Pastor, is there an easy way to know the difference? Yes, if they're doing anything that conflicts with this. They're not God. Brother Jerome responded to the young boy's, of the young man's statement that he saw him but didn't recognize him. And he said, yes, that is man, man's weakness and Satan's greatest strength. You see, the enemy loves to work in the church. Why? Because he knows he can't destroy the church from the outside. He can only destroy the church from the inside. He can never destroy you from those things coming against you. Why? Because those things coming against you make you stronger. If you have Christ in your life, that pressure only makes you stronger. But if you're struggling with your life in Christ, or you're really on the fence, or you're kind of in and out, you're, you're, you're a Sunday Christian, you know, you're a Sunday Christian, and the other six days of the week you're whatever needs to be, that pressure will destroy you. But if you're a Christian who loves God, if you're a person dedicated, it doesn't matter what kind of pressure the enemy, inside or outside, it will make you stronger. But the enemy comes to us every day in deceptive, sincere, genteel manners, just like this man in this prison, using what I like to call the do-thee-wells to lure us from the truth. And I've just given you the answer. You say, Pastor, how do I know that I know that this won't happen. If it doesn't line up with this, if it does not line up with God's word. The Bible says, search out the truth. And I don't care who they are, what they are, what they've done. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's wrong. Now, let me take you back a few thousand years at when the battle began. Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says there is war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought. And the dragon and his angels. Who's the dragon? The dragon lost the battle. He and his angels were forced out of heaven. Listen to this. This great dragon, the serpent called the devil, Satan. Listen to this and underline it in your notes. The one deceiving the whole world was thrown out of heaven. The one deceiving the whole world was thrown out of heaven. Let me take you and help us to understand this morning why this all transpired. I'm not going to take you to Ezekiel, but I'll... I'll take you over to Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, it's, it's not in your notes, but it's Isaiah 14, or you can write this down. It's Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. The Bible says that Satan was lifted up in his own pride. He saw his beauty. He saw his craftsmanship. When, when you read the book of Ezekiel, it gives this glorious picture. And I've shared this with our church before. The reason that music is so powerful in the earth How many of you older folks like me have listened to some of this younger music and thought, what? Anybody besides me? 
But look at the power it has on the young people. I mean, the message can be horrific, and they're seduced by it. Now, don't get me wrong. It happens to us older folks, too. I mean, when we, when we listen to Moon River, we kind of get mesmerized that we're going down. Okay, a little bit different. Okay. Steve, say amen, would you? Yeah. The Bible says that in Lucifer was created all the instruments of music within his being. I don't know if he showed up right here, if he would look like this, this really strange musical instrument or not. But do you know why? He was the anointed cherub that covereth. The Bible says he walked among the fire of God. He was in the very throne room. You know who he was? The worship leader of heaven. Why does music have the power? Because the worship leader, even though he's been dethroned, is still leading his choir. And his choir is a world without Christ. Can somebody say amen? Let me take you to Isaiah. They're called the five I wills or the five eyes of Isaiah. This is what happened when Lucifer was lifted up. He said these words, and you can read them in Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. He said, I will ascend into heaven. He's talking about the third heaven or the throne room of God. And what he's saying, he said, I'm going to lift myself up and be like the most high. He said, I am going to overthrow God. How many ever had I-itis here? Where pretty soon it becomes too much about you and not about anybody else. He said, I will ascend into heaven. He said, I will exalt myself above the stars of God. Understand, that talks about ruling. That talks about all the angels. If you, go, if you go Revelation 12 and just drop down into the fourth verse, it talks about this fall. And it said the great dragon, his tail swept a third of the stars of heaven, representing a third of the angels. So the Bible says the stars of heaven are innumerable. There is no way to number them. This is the picture of the heavenly host, the angels of God. And Lucifer is saying, I will exalt my throne above the stars. In other words, I will rule heaven. I will rule the angels. The third I of Isaiah, he said, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This is the representation of earth. Remember when Jesus and, and Lucifer were in the wilderness and Satan was trying to deceive Jesus? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I'll give these to you if you'll bow down and worship me. You know how he was able to say that? Now, listen to the, you can find the passage in, in Matthew. You know why he was able to say that? And Jesus did not say a word? Because he has the authority over all those kingdoms. He has the authority. The Bible calls him the God of this world, the prince of this world. He said, I will sit on the mount of the congregation. And in Psalm chapter 48, verse 2, once again, it's not in your notes. Folks, I get a lot of stuff up here that doesn't get into your notes because I don't have enough room. But you can write this down. I, uh, Psalm 48, 
Verse 2 says, I will rule mankind, speaking of Lucifer. The fourth, I, is when Satan said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. The Bible says the glory of God is in the clouds. His Shekinah glory, one day I believe will show up in this room. I've seen it before, and I believe I'll see it again. It's like a cloud will fall in this room. The Bible talks about in the days of the children of Israel when Moses would walk in the tent of the tabernacle. The Bible says it was a great cloud. The presence of God. The Shekinah glory would fall. And Lucifer said, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. In other words, he's saying, God, you going down, I'm reigning supreme. Can somebody say that ain't going to happen? See, Satan has this problem called I-itis. It's always been about him. And the fifth thing, he said, I will be like the Most High. He said, I will be God. And listen to me. This is the wanderlust that has consumed man since the original lie in the garden where Adam and Eve were there and they saw the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and I'll just paraphrase the conversation. Lucifer said, has not God told you that you can eat of any of the trees of the garden? Eve, and yes, Adam was standing right there, folks, said, well, yes, he said we could eat of anything in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because on the day we eat, we shall surely die. And then Lucifer responds to her and say, do you know why God doesn't want you to eat of that tree? Because then you will become like God, knowing good and evil, knowing everything. And you will become like God. And we've been trying to become like God ever since. This is why we have thousands of religions in the world. Everybody's trying to find their own way to develop their own form of I-itis. But God said, no, I don't think so. That's Southern for I don't. Say it with me. I don't think so. Yeah, you all will work on that real good when I... Did I ever tell you that we're going to speak Southern in heaven? Yeah. If you want to know, I can prove it biblically after church. I won't do it right now. I can prove it biblically. Satan was cast out of heaven. There was a great war, which takes us to Revelation 12. But listen to this picture. Michael and Lucifer were once on the same side. They were two of the most powerful angels of creation. But now they're fighting in opposition. Once fighting for the same God. Now one's trying to become God. But listen to me. Michael prevailed over Lucifer. If you hear nothing else today, hear this one statement. In this war, truth will win. Truth will win. 
The picture of what happened in heaven happens on earth all the time. It happens between people in the church. It happens between people outside the church. Once fighting on the same side, now in opposition one to another. During the Civil War, a great picture to give point. During the Civil War, did you know that General Lee and General Grant both went to West Point? Did you know that these two great generals both fought in the Mexican-American War side by side? But during the Civil War, one fought for the South, one fought for the North, and ultimately General Grant prevailed over General Lee. Now you can sit back and say, well, Pastor, what point does that make? I think there's something about this nation that God had his hand in. I believe this nation was founded on Christian principles. I believe this nation was founded on thus saith the Lord. I believe this nation enjoys and reaps all the benefits and all the blessings and all the promises that it has today, unlike any nation on earth, because of the sovereign hand of God. Can somebody say amen this morning? I believe this is why this nation could stand and overcome Europe. Could stand and overcome Mexico. Could stand and overcome Russia. Could stand and overcome all the assaults that tried to come from the outside. Why? Because there was something strong built on the inside that when the pressure came, it just made them stronger. Amen. Outnumbered over and over and over. Let me bring it to you and me. Why does truth win? Let me share you just three good reasons. God is omnipotent. Your God, my God, is unlimited in power. God uh, is omniscient. That means he is unlimited. Your God, my God, in knowledge. And God is omnipresent, which means God is everywhere, all the time, every day. And guess what? God is and Satan ain't. Amen. Now, I know that's not good English, but it's good preaching. Can you say amen? amen. See, Satan is not omnipotent. Oh, he has power, but it's very limited. He is not omniscient. Yes, people said, well, does the devil know what I'm going to do tomorrow? Not at all. The devil knows your past. And because he knows your past, he knows how to push buttons to get you to do what he wants you to do in the future. And he is not omnipresent. But he does have millions. Remember that third of the stars that fell with him? Those are the demonic entities that we deal with. So when we say that the devil is tempting us, the fact is it's probably one of his little minions doing his dirty work. He has a well-organized entourage of fallen angels known as demons. Satan, hear this please, is mighty. But God is almighty. Can I say it again? Satan, yeah, is mighty. But God is almighty. Listen to this today. Satan may try to destroy, but ultimately, God will destroy the destroyer. Yeah. Satan.
Satan might be mighty, but I serve God Almighty. Can somebody in this place shout glory? You see, Satan has no authority in your notes. He has no authority against us. That authority was broken at Calvary. Except what God allows, and I want you to underline this in your notes, or what we permit. Jesus was standing before Pilate before the, the time of the crucifixion. And Pilate is asking him questions. And he's, Pilate said to Jesus, why don't you talk to me? Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Brothers and sisters, you better get excited at what Jesus responded. Why? Because this is the same response you and I have before the enemy. Jesus told Pilate, you would have no power over me at all unless God gave it to you. See, in Matthew 28, the Bible says, all power in heaven and earth was given to Christ. And then he turned around and said, go. You know what he was doing? He was transferring that power to us. He said, go into all the world. I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves, but don't worry. He said in John 16, he said, I've told you all these things that you, that you would have peace. Why? Because in this world, you're going to have problems. John 16, 32, you can look it up yourself. He said, in this world, you're going to have problems, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Can somebody shout amen in this place? You see, the devil... Am I getting a little excited? Are you guys okay with that? Good, I want you to get excited. Why? You see, the devil needs permission to trip you up. He needs permission to trip you up. He can tempt, but we have to respond. He can offend, but we have to accept the offense. He can lie, but we have to believe the lie. Just like with Peter. Peter, Satan has desire to sift you as wheat. Jim Mason, Satan has desire to lie to you. You want the truth? You want to believe the lie. Maria, Satan has desire to tempt you. Do you run to the truth, God's word, God's promise? Or do you believe and accept the temptation? What about it, Sandy? The devil comes in to offend, to beat you down, to tell stories. Those that you love the most come in to torment you the most. Do you take the offense and grab a hold of it? And now go live with it? Or do you say, no, greater is he that's in me, devil, than he that's in this world. Even if you're using my best friend to be the devil today, I'm not going to take it. Am I making any sense today, brothers and sisters? The devil needs our permission. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Job chapter 1. Job was walking through heaven. Yes, he still has permission to go back and forth from heaven. The accuser was among the the angels of God. And God spoke to him and said, where do you come from? And he said, oh, from walking back and forth on the earth. There's nothing to do, so I thought I'd come up here and check out things. 
And the Lord asked him, the Lord asked him, have you considered my servant Carlos? A better man of God I don't have on the earth. Have you? Now think about it. You sit back and say, well, God, why the heck are you picking on me? Can you imagine the honor of God choosing me because he knew he could trust me? He knew the kind of pressure I could take. Have you considered my servant Job? A finer man there is not on the earth, blameless, complete, and integrity. He fears God. He stays away from evil. And listen to what Lucifer said. Yes, but Job has good reason to fear you. Underline this in your notes. Because you have a wall of protection about him. Is that in your notes? Is it underlined? Write your name next to it. You have a wall of protection. You see, the devil wanted to attack Job, but he recognized God protects his servants. When the devil comes against you and me, he has to first say, hey, big dude, I want to check out this little guy down here. What do you think? Not today. That preacher of victorious life, what do you think? Go for it. Gee, thanks, God. He cannot just come walking in unless God allows or we permit. You say, Pastor, how do we permit? Let me give you a little theological understanding of the word peace. Uh, Andrew, Andrew uh, Hamby sent this to me in an email, and, and I, I broke it down for, for us here today. Actually, I make it a lot shorter. It was a lot longer. We are called to peace, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. But listen, the peace that we're called to is not peace in this world, but it's peace in Christ. That's the peace we're called to. He has said we're not going to have peace in this world. So let me go on here. The word peace that we have comes from the Hebrew word shalom. When you spell shalom in Hebrew, it is spelt with four letters. The first letter kind of looks like a W, and it is the Hebrew letter sheen. The second letter kind of looks like a backward T, and it is the Hebrew letter lemet. The third letter kind of looks like an upside-down putter if you're a golfer. And it is the word vav, or the letter vav. And the fourth letter kind of looks like a box. And it is the word mem. So it is shin lamad vav mem. Is the Hebrew word shalom. When you take the four individual letters of shalom and put them together, listen to what they spell. The word shin means to destroy. Lamad means the authority. Vab means the one that brings. And met means chaos. So shin, lamet, vat, mat 
means destroying the authority that brings chaos. That's what having the peace of God means. The letters literally tell us that if we are going to have true peace, the authority that brings chaos must be destroyed. And how do you destroy the one that brings chaos? You bring it by using the word of God. You use it by standing up. The book of James, I'm not going to take the time to read, verses uh, chapters 3 and 4, says that we destroy the chaos, the lack of peace, by responding with God's wisdom to the situation. We don't respond by quarreling and fighting and arguing. But James 4 says, rather, we resist the devil and he must flee. So what is it that we have to do? We have to cast down the very thing that Lucifer used to raise himself up, his pride. When an issue raises in your life, cast down your pride, humble yourself and say, God, it's your deal. When some situation, friend, or circumstance comes in your life, sit down and say, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to be vengeful. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm going to let God take there. When, when, when Michael was fighting Lucifer in Jude... He's standing there and saying, hey, the Lord rebuke you. It's done. Am I making sense today? Understand, ladies and gentlemen, whatever God allows in your life, he allows for a purpose. We may not have the answer why, but we do know his promises. And one specifically says he'll not let us go through what we cannot handle but will always make a way. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. As the Lord's return gets closer and closer, it's going to be more and more difficult to be a Christian. As I shared two weeks ago, if you don't make a decision now for what may happen then, you will fall. If you don't make up your mind today for what might happen a year from now, you will not stand. We have to make a decision who we are in Christ today. Why? Because the pressure is just going to get greater and greater. As the Lord's return gets closer and closer, it is going to be more and more difficult to live the Christian life. We live in a world that is getting darker and darker. You know the the mindset of America today? We call it the ABC world. Anything but Christ world. This is what America is quickly becoming and has become. People are cool with whatever you believe unless it has to do with the Bible and with Jesus Christ. Then suddenly you're in all kinds of trouble. Suddenly you are a bigot. Suddenly you are narrow-minded. Suddenly you are intolerant. Suddenly you are hateful. Suddenly, it's just because the Bible is true and that Jesus Christ is Lord God Almighty and that God will give you and I the strength to understand in this world there's going to be problems. But I have overcome the world. But because of Christ, suddenly you will be opposed. And sadly, most Christians are not prepared for the suddenlies of life. Why? Because they haven't made a decision. What am I going to do when this happens? Well, pastor, how do you know it's going to happen? Oh, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if. That temptation is going to happen. That situation is 
going to happen. That perplexity is going to happen. That worst-case scenario is going to come to pass. And most Christians are not prepared for the turn that life will take in your personal relationship with Christ and in your ministry. Remember, we were reading in 1 Corinthians 4, where the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that they might not believe. And we understood that blinding the minds mean to keep them from understanding. How many have read things in the Word of God a thousand times you still don't understand them? Let me give you a little secret that I do every time that I open the Bible. Before I read a single word, I pray. God, open the eyes of my understanding because I know the devil is trying to blind me. Open the eyes of my understanding that I might see. Well, let's go back to Daniel talking about the days preceding the coming of the Lord and talking about the battle that he was in. Since the first day in Daniel 10, since the first day you began to pray, what is that word that's capitalized? What is the word? Understand Daniel knew the Bible. He knew that the time of captivity was coming to end. He knew that the Jews were supposed to be free and Israel was supposed to be set free. He was praying for the direction of God, the wisdom of God. And what was happening, the God of this world was blinding his understanding. The first day you asked for understanding, I came to give it. But for 21 days, I had to battle. Ladies and gentlemen, let me break this down for you this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 says we're not fighting against people, but against evil rulers. 2 Corinthians 10 says we are human, but we do not wage a war as humans do but with God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, but these weapons are to knock down strongholds of human reasoning, understanding, and to destroy false arguments. The God of this world is trying to keep God's people blind. You see, it is true that you can have a saved soul and a lost life. You can be saved going to heaven and live a tormented life. You can be saved, your name written in the Lamb's book of life and never accomplish a single thing for God. Not because you don't want to, but because the God of this world is blinding the minds. Let me give you a picture of how this happens. How many have ever had situation happen and you knew there was something going on, but you just couldn't put your finger on it? This is what happens. Satan not only affects our thoughts, but he also affects our moods and our emotions. This happens a lot of times in marriages. We just have those bad days. How many of you husbands can say amen? How many wives can say, oh me? We just have those we, we can't put a finger on I'm just feeling bad. Now, we can blame it on all kinds of uh, acronyms that I'm not going to use across the pulpit today. But the truth is, is we have those days. Men do too. And we don't have a reason why. It very well could be an attack of the enemy. And if you don't understand the enemy and warfare... 
then you just go through it. Oh, I'll get over it one of these days. Have you ever seen people over the years, they don't have a knowledge of each other, but they just walk into a church and they sense there's something not right? How many have been one of those people? I have. I remember I was going to buy a house one time in California, and I walked into this house, and the real estate agent was walking around and, and uh, just showing the house off and blah, 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 as real estate agents do. And I'm walking around there, and I'm thinking, man, the same thing, it's something not right here. I'm walking through this house, and I said, somebody died in this house, didn't they? The real estate agent, how'd you, I, I'm supposed to disclose that to you, but, but how did you? I said, because God just showed me. Say, Pastor, how did you know that? Because I know this book, and I know this God. I can sense things. I can, I can be aware of things, and I can put my finger on it, but most Christians can't. Why? Because, number one, they don't know their God very well, and they sure don't spend any time in this book called the Holy Bible, called the Military Handbook, called the Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth Book. Whenever attack occurs in a church or an attack occurs in a person's life, there's a common thread to an assault. And it usually comes with a vague, indefinable mood affecting your life or someone else's life around you. It can sometimes affect an entire ministry. I've heard people say, well, I've never felt this way before. I've heard people say, well, that person never acted that way before. Did you ever stop and think it might just be a, a spiritual attack, an assault of hell? Most look at temptation as a, an assault against thoughts, but Satan does not just attack our thoughts. He assaults our moods. You ever just not feel like doing something and you have no rhyme or reason why you don't feel like it? Am I the only one that, am I preaching to me only or you? Have you ever done that? Do you ever stop for a moment and take authority over the devil and say, devil, I have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. I am not my own. I live for the Lord God and you will have no authority in my life. Get behind me, devil. Have you ever thought about taking authority? I never knew I could. Yes, you could. And yes, you should. Will you give me five more minutes this morning? How many give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 20. Okay. Don't worry. Just give me five. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus was dealing with a boy, a demon possessed boy. And the father and the disciples didn't have a clue what to do. And remember what Jesus said in Mark 9, 29? It's not in your notes. Just write it down, please. He said, this kind, this kind what? This type of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is very clear. There's multitudes of demons, types of demons. When Satan desired to sift Peter as wheat, no one believed that Peter was demon-possessed or that he denied Christ because of false doctrine, but that he was fallen under a demonic attack. 
There was another time that Jesus stood before Peter and looking right at him said, get behind me, Satan. Because you don't treasure the things of God, but the things of man. Was he talking to Peter? No, he was talking to the influence behind Peter that was prompting his anxieties. Peter wasn't demon-possessed. He wasn't backslidden, turning away from Christ. He was under attack. Look at me. You and I will go through things that we will go through. We have to take authority over the devil that's behind it and say, no more, devil. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord my God. I'm going to take authority over this thing. I got four minutes and 45 seconds, right? <laughs> Satan is not some distant, far away foe in the furthest realms of our imagination. He's a very real, very present, very near enemy. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, he walks about as a roaring lion. But 1 John 4 says, greater is he that's in me. So what do I do to stand against these type of assaults? Ladies and gentlemen, I put it in your notes. First, do not assume that every bad thing that happens is the devil attacking you. It might have just been pizza from the night before. It could be something like that, okay? But here are telltale signs. Number one, are there sizable changes? Are there things that you have never done, you have never thought, you have never been before in your life and or your ministry? Talk to, or excuse me, do others comment that they see a change in your life? Do your leaders, those that are spiritually discerning in your life, have the same sense that there's something going on? Don't deal with this alone. Go to somebody. And hopefully somebody that knows the word of God and has been stable in the things of God. Ask yourself, did all of this come on all of a sudden, no explanation, seemingly to defy reason or rationale, it could very well be a spiritual attack. Here's the things that we do. Number one, pray. God, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my mighty fortress. Talk to, submit yourself to, your ministry, your church, your pastor, your Lord. Get somebody else in the equation. Number two, stand against the enemy. Stand against the enemy. Say that with me. Stand against the enemy. And let him know you have every intent to resist him. Because James 4 says he gives more grace. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Third, get the leaders and others in the battle with you. Once again, deception. The devil wants you to think, well, man, if I tell the pastor what I'm going through, he's going to think I'm strange. Folks, I already know you're strange. It doesn't make a difference. We know. You say, well, why do you say that? Because we're Christians living in a non-Christian world. That would make any of us strange, wouldn't you think? Come and talk and let's work together. Share your concerns. Agree together in faith. Fourth, stand firm in the situation. And I put, I put kind of a, an outline prayer. Don't just try to think the devil away. Don't just try to say, well, I'm going to 
become an ostrich and hide my head in the sand. Maybe it'll just go away. Maybe if I just ignore it. No. Pray something like, I pray against whatever it is. The Lord rebukes you. And in the name of Jesus, we command that you abandon this attack and leave. This is what they did in Jude chapter 9. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm talking about today is very real. Can I tell you again, very real. There's some of us that go through things that we don't have a clue. What in the world is going on? If you're a child of God, all you got to do is ask, and God will show you exactly what's going on. Lastly, as an act of faith, begin to praise God for the answer before it ever comes. Begin to thank God for the answer. I close with these thoughts. And then I'm going to take you into 1 Peter 5, and I'm going to give you the the whole outline of what I just preached to you. Just because you defeat the enemy does not mean that he's not coming back. Matthew 12 says he'll come back sometimes with seven worse than himself. Regularly meet with each other. As I shared a little while ago, as the day of the Lord's return approaches, it's going to become harder to be a Christian. That's why Hebrews 10 says, Don't forsake the assembling ourselves together, especially as you see that day approaching. Keep up your guard. Not if something happens, because it will. But remember, what is happening? Because you know your enemy. Can you say amen? Amen. First Peter, I put it on on the screen. I want you to see it. See, God tells us what to do. Look at me. Get your eyes off the screen for a second. How was Satan lifted up? What was the word? What was the word? Pride. He was lifted up in his own pride. Look at me. Every time you're trying to do it yourself, it's your pride trying to do it. It's your, tri- your pride trying to earn it. It's your, tri- your pride trying to say, I can do this. God tells us what to do. You want to overcome the enemy? Humble yourself. Realize you can't do it. Look at somebody and say, he knows me pretty good, doesn't he? He tells us what to do. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, God will lift you up in honor. He tells us what to do. Then he says, how to do it. Give me your worries. Are you with me? Give me your worries. Give all of your cares to me. Why? Because I care for you. And then he tells you, When to do it. See that word, stay alert, watch out for the great enemy. When? Every single moment of your life. When we least suspect it. When we least. He tells us what to do. Go back. What to do. How to do it. When to do it. And then let's go on. And he tells us why. He walks about as a roaring lion. You know the lion's greatest weapon? Fear and deception. But look what he says here. As a lion. Like a lion. Didn't say he is a lion. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? He is not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. 
He is not omnipresent. He is a very limited foe. Ladies and gentlemen, he walks about as a lion. But I serve the Lord my God who is the lion of Judah, who is the conquering power of all heaven and earth. One day, ladies and gentlemen, he came as a lamb slain. But one day he's coming back as a mighty lion of victory and said, honor with me, come. He tells us why. The enemy with a lion deception comes. God said, all you got to do is stand firm against him. Amen. Where? In your faith. Because everybody's going through the same thing. Everybody's going through the same thing. Everybody's going through the same thing. Let's stand to our feet all over this building. Everyone's going through the same thing. Honey, could you walk back or put some nice little soft music on for me? Or I don't want to pick my guitar up and give the music for the altar call. Look at me, please. I know I've taken a little bit longer today, but I wanted us to understand this. Did you learn something? If you will take your notes. Folks, you don't have the five I wills, but I have them up here. Uh, and Rick's already asked me for my notes, so he gets them, but but he can make you a copy if you want. Understand something, ladies and gentlemen. This battle is not going away. Maybe you're here and, and, and you're visiting and they say, man, this is a pretty passionate church. Yep, it is. Because we serve a passionate God. Now, I'm not saying if a church isn't quite this passionate, they're not a good church. I'm not saying that at all. Just different, different types of churches. But the one thing that I, I want you to learn, whether you're, all this church, visiting in this church, is this battle isn't going away. Matter of fact, as the day of the Lord's return gets closer, it's going to get worse. I'm not the bearer of bad news. I'm the bearer of the truth. Why? Because as Christians, we don't have to be afraid. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. But we do have to stand. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.